0: Welcome to Sound & Vision. Conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound & Vision, Brian Alfred.
1: Sound & Vision is sponsored by Golden Artist Colors. Golden Artist Colors mix the best acrylic paints, core watercolors, Williamsburg oil colors, and mediums that you can buy. You can find Golden Artist Colors in your local art store or online at goldenpaints.com. Sound Division is also sponsored by Fulcrum Coffee Roasters. Fulcrum Coffee Roasters has three unique brands which are unified in simple, earnest, and grounding principles. Fulcrum's own coffee line, Silver Cup, and Urban City. I've teamed up with Fulcrum to collaborate and create artwork for a new coffee tin. I created artwork inspired by some of the origins of where Fulcrum gets their coffee beans and created the artwork for a tin which comes with a single origin coffee from Costa Rica, a 12 ounce bag. Both the coffee and the tin cost $35 and you can get it at their website, which is (laughs) fulcrumcoffee.com. Cheryl Dunigan received her BFA in painting at the Rhode Island School of Design and an MFA at Hunter College in New York. In her breakthrough videos in the 1990s, Cheryl combined time based gestural media of performance and video with forms such as painting, drawing, and installation. Her work has been exhibited internationally most recently in her first career survey at the Kunsthalle Zürich in June of 2018. Cheryl opened another survey of her works from 2009 to present at the Aspen Museum of Art, traveling to Contemporary Art Museum in Houston in 2019. Other venues include a one-person exhibition at the New Museum in New York City in 2016, the 1995 Whitney Biennial, the Museum of Modern Art, the Tang Museum of Art, the New York Film and Video Festival, 1993 Venice Biennale, and the 1995 Biennale d'Art Contemporain de Lyon in France, in addition to many individual and group exhibitions in Europe and America. Cheryl was a faculty member in the Fine Arts Department at the School of Visual Art in New York from 1997 to 2013. She's been a seminar leader and guest critic at Yale University, was a faculty member at Skowhegan School of Drawing and Painting, summer 2011 and a visiting artist lecturer at numerous art programs in the united states she lives and works in new york and in istria new york i caught up with cheryl from her place in manhattan about her growing up wrestling bears and leading the pack art school and all its trapping and opportunities working across mediums poetry punk and much more here's our conversation
0: is off and the yep the counter is running good morning
1: good morning <laughs> we're off and running
0: we are um,
1: so i'm okay. so excited to talk to you because um i had a perception of you and your work you know just from knowing it as like a passive fellow artist you know consumer of art and then i did a little digging and i realized that you know you would I know just where you came in to making work and moving to the city and the timing and like what you were working on—all very compelling—and I'm really excited to hear this story (laughs) because I did a little research and I heard—I mean, you talked a little bit here and there about certain things, but um, there's a lot that's that's missing that I want to get into.
0: Sort of the, a little bit of an iceberg situation going on, I think.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, um, the, the funny thing is, is when reading your bio that you grew up in New Haven, you went to RISD and then you went to Hunter, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a up- lot
1: of aca- academia. Like even New Haven is, you know, adjacent. Uh, but you probably didn't grow up in New Haven. You probably were just born there and then well, moved somewhere else.
0: Yeah. I mean like I lived there, you know, in my early life, uh, up until like um, you know, primary school and um but definitely on the decidedly um other side of the tracks from um the the when you know people euphemistically say I go to New Haven when I mean Yale. Um, right. I was, I, I, I could say I lived in Fairhaven, which was sort of the working class neighborhood of um, of New Haven where my parent, grandparents owned uh, uh, a triple-decker house. So I guess they were successful working class because they owned property. But um, yeah, uh, from a three-decker house in New- Fairhaven, um, uh, then you know my parents left for the suburbs in outside of worcester massachusetts so it really was a golden triangle from from new haven to worcester to uh providence so that's that golden triangle was where i spent my formative years
1: so was that related to were they related to academia
0: No, not at all. My dad um, sold insurance, and my mom was a stay-at-home mom until um, the 70s when, um, like a lot of uh, American housewives, had to uh, join the labor force, and um, she ended up being... um, Uh, school secretary because she needed to stay on the school schedule of her kids. So Um, I was just describing to my uh, now 16-year-old what it was like to have your mom be the um, secretary at the high school and then get pregnant. So when I was in high school, my mom was (laughs) pregnant with my uh, youngest sister. So that was something interesting.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, well, what was it like growing? I mean, so moving around like that, did that kind of unsettle you or were you... You know, having that move, was it a big move for you?
0: Probably, not unsettling was the move. Probably growing up around a lot of alcoholics was the the more unsettling factor. equally, (laughs) that'll do it. (laughs) That'll do it. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, just stuff that a lot of, you know, many, many people go through with just, you know, a lot of, I mean, I'm from a big family where there's a lot of, there was a lot of turmoil, but there was also a lot of love. And I think that's what helped us all survive that. I mean, the family's still intact and um, very close. Um, I'm the oldest of five. And my parents are, you know, weathered whatever they went through. We all weathered it. I mean, not to, you know, I, I guess I do want to burnish it up these days because I'm proud of my family that we came through a lot of stuff and, and survived. So, um, you know, but um, yeah, the, so I was more like a bat out of hell um, uh, just you know, seeking, you know, to get out of, of uh, um, you know, certain situations. And RISD was, um, you know, just like Oz to me. It was everything I, uh, you know, thought might have been out there but wasn't really confirmed for me in terms of art and just a different way to live, you know. Um, yeah.
1: Well, the oldest of five, man, that is... I mean, you're you're the trailblazer. And you probably... My theory on kids is the oldest always bears the brunt of the anxiety of the parents because it. I I would like to think that it's a metric of like worry. Like the first kid, the parents are like, "You're really worried because you, you never did it." But you know, you're you're just. Well, I guess it depends on the person, but generally, you would think that by kid, you know, six or seven or eight, you know, you're lucky if you remember their name. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I have a sister who is what, you know, could essentially be known as an Irish twin. Um, We're we're both born in March of subsequent calendar years. And so we were known as the big girls. And the big girls uh, picked up a lot of slack. And, um, you know, so uh, that was... I mean, the way we grew up. There, there was the big girls and the little kids. And so as the oldest, uh, I mean, it's just my personality or whatever. But, like, I was, you know, the famous... It, 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 still to this day, it clings to me because I was pretty wild and always, like, playing with the boys. I had a lot of boys as friends. And, um, you know, just, just doing... Uh, at, so the, the big moniker that still hand, that my, my siblings still make fun of me is they're like oh well, they call me Sherry not Cheryl and so they say oh Sherry's fighting bears in the woods <laughs> and I, I still am fighting a lot of bears in the woods you know when I get <laughs> right. you know when I get hopped up on things but um, yeah fighting bears in the woods that's me
1: <laughs> uh, is that where your creativity came from <laughs> out in you the know, forest
0: yeah, you know what it, it's really crazy but like I, I, I was just thinking you know the pictures I'm making now like vividly remember being like the 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 capitan of like uh schoolyard games and one of the big ones was uh, to play house but I used to do this crazy thing in the schoolyard with um fallen leaves where I'd like brush them and sweep them into floor plans and then say oh this is the living room this is the kitchen this is the bathroom and then make friends run through these mazes of like in in the name of playing house and i think like what that wow like when i think about like some of the you know interest in mapping and irrational spaces that i've been doing in pictures for the last couple of years i'm like that memory came back to me like a ton of bricks like just this yeah. i and i don't know if it if it, i mean i could speculate on where it comes from but um Yeah, you know, I think I'm very attached to those early memories of of playing and uh, as a, you know, when you, you know, my parents weren't art lovers or museum goers or anything like that. So I think that play um, and the attachment to creativity and play was really something really, really important to me.
1: Yeah, isn't it an interesting moment when you sort of emerge from life with consciousness like in your teen years you start to think about things, and and then you decide to go follow this path of creativity or something and then you go through this whole gauntlet of education and learning and all this structure and then you come out of that and then you make a bunch of stuff and then later on in the process at some point you're like oh I'm just trying to tap back into what I was thinking about before I learned and did all this stuff.
0: A hundred percent. I have that. The irony of that. I have that sensation frequently because, you know, I mean, it's it's a very profound thing because I mean, there's, like I say, you know, when I came to RISD and I started to, it was unveiled like, oh, this is what art is. It's not, you know, the high school art class um, where everybody was, you know, uh, rendering seashells, like that's there's more to it than that and 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 it just opened my eyes so wide and then uh, you know subsequent education kind of shut me down a lot um in terms of you know feeling like oh painting is dead and this is what you aren't supposed to do and all the prohibitions thrown up it's like you ought not to do this this is not right uh, fashionable interesting don't 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 and then you kind of grapple your way through that what not what you don't want to do um and you know coming kind of circling back around to maybe what the original impulses were um yeah it, it, it's a it's a gauntlet i run frequently
1: <laughs> yeah like the hindsight of it is really interesting i think to think about you know it's all set up for hey you could do anything and go out there and take the world by the tail and but then at the same time everything is like trying to compress your expectations or your dreams or everyone's telling you like how hard it is or you can't you know what I mean it's this conflicting
0: oh Oh. and then you get to the art world (laughs) and then you know it's like everybody is just handcuffed you know by expectations and fears and the social scene and and sometimes I just look around I'm like this is not what I came here for. This is not yeah. what I signed up for at all uh, and and you know really try to throw some of that self shackling off um, and and it is self shackling just uh, you know um, uh, that that it that is you know that we submit to uh, or or try to resist um, right
1: well how did you you know in high school uh how did you decide I, was art school just something that came to you from through doing art in school or taking art classes I mean because going to RISD is different than you know, going to university and taking yeah. some art classes and finding it that way. Right. It it's is a decision.
0: It, yeah, it's a full full wall-to-wall commitment. Um, Yeah, I, I, in high school, I was very interested in writing, and I wrote a lot of poetry, and I had really good, um, for a small regional high school in Central Mass, because I'm um, from a small town outside of Worcester where the towns are so small that... Um, Uh, they had a regional high school. So it was five towns in one high school. And so um, there were a lot of hippies. um, And a lot of hippies became really good high school teachers. And um, so I had very good teachers in like literature and history. And it was when I think back for a public high school, it was a very good education. And so I was exposed to, um, you know, a lot of like, I mean, you know, uh, like, like, You know, Theodore Rothke, Elizabeth Bishop, you know, like mainstream, you know, American poets. Um, But, you know, we had the high school uh, teacher teaching Eastern Lit and making us read Dharma bums. Um, And yeah, you know, because there were, you know, and I always had like a divining rod for hippies, you know, (laughs) growing (laughs) up. I was like, let me at them. I need to be among them. And um, so uh, any hippie teacher, I was like in his or her class. Um, And so it was, um, uh, so I wrote a lot of poetry and um, a lot of teachers encouraged me to to pursue writing. Um, But I just had this inkling that um, I, 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 so so what I did when applying to schools, I mean, of course, there, there wasn't the intensity of guidance then. And as you say, being the oldest of five, and my mother had just was pregnant. When I was in a freaking senior in high school, my mother got pregnant again. So it was sort of like she had other, they, they had other concerns. And yeah. so, you know, I kind of just groped my way, but um, I ended up applying to like Brown or RISD. And I thought, if I get into Brown, I'll go to Brown. And if I get into RISD, I'll go to RISD because they had an exchange. And so my mental calculus was like, I'll kind of go to both, because um, you could take classes at one if you went to the other. And um, I didn't get into Brown, and I got into RISD. And some people in, you know, once I got in, my parents were a bit horrified, because then they were like, you're too smart to go to an art school. Like, y- that that's not... Where smart people go. Smart right, people what a go.
1: waste.
0: Right, exactly. What a waste. <laughs> right. You know, art. Like, anyone can yeah, do that. Anyone can do that. And, and it was also so prejudiced because, as I said, my mom worked at the high school, and so art carried like a general weight as a class, whereas I was in honors history. So, how can someone in honors history turn her back on, on academics and do something that like carries no quote unquote weight? Right. Um, so it was. But I I was like, well, this is where I'm going. And, um, you know, but like things were so different then because, you know, even for a middle class family with five kids, they were able to send me there. And they were able, you know, with Pell Grants and stuff to, to send me to RISD. I mean, now I think a family you know, where there's five siblings and the dad is, you know, not an executive and the mom is, you know, uh, um, a clerical worker, like fat chance, you know, it, it's tragic.
1: Oh, five kids nowadays. Jeez. I mean, what do you do?
0: Well, only that, you know, it's, I mean, if you're Student five loans, yeah, or you're, you know, it, if having five children is, can be a status symbol for the super wealthy. Um, yeah, I guess if if that's what you 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 do and you are but um otherwise it's it's very tough, so uh I can't imagine it but um you know at any rate, so yeah voila risky uh, and then it was like i mean. You know, I'm not ashamed to say like I went in with feral sweaters and corduroys and in three months I was wearing like nineteen forties house dresses and combat boots. Like it was like That's how you do it. Everything I ever <laughs> dreamed of. I wow. was like, burn these clothes. Here I go. <laughs>
1: well, is the, uh, did you start in sculpture? Weren't you doing sculpture early on? Or is that
0: Wow, you did do your research. Um, I I did do... I had a brief stint as a sculptor uh, after graduate school where... Um, but that's, you know, uh, it sounds apocryphal, but it's not. Like, um, um, I, uh, sculpture, a brief stint as a sculptor after graduate school led me into video. Um, and I can tell that story if you want. But no, it was, I, I went in thinking, I'll do graphic design. Um, not really knowing what that was, but... Uh, Employable. So I w- that's, Employable, was right? What it was. Exactly, <laughs> a paycheck.
1: That's what we all think. Exactly. You know, when the students go into graphic design, they're like, "Well, it's arty, and I can get a paycheck."
0: Yeah, but um, fresh the freshman foundation program at RISD was crucial because you know it exposes you to a little bit of everything, and I realized that the again the teachers that I had in the foundation that had a more fine arts approach um, that I just. That was it. I was majoring in painting. That was it. And that's how they get you.
1: They bribe you with the uh, the commercial art stuff, and then you get in there and you take one of those great classes where it's just like freedom, and you're like, ah, I think I'm gonna go, yeah. go with. It. And back then it was a little more house money, you know. It was like, well, I, this is what I'm into, and you know, you weren't thinking about two hundred thousand dollars of debt or whatever.
0: <gasps> exactly. Some... Exactly exactly yeah. you weren't thinking about two hundred thousand dollars of debt i mean i ended up with some debt but it was nothing compared to the crushing debt i could pay yeah. the debt off waiting tables in new york i mean i did you know but it was i mean it wasn't though so so exactly um the decision well you know what it was it was you know contrary to these things i had been told about that pain that art wasn't for smart people i realized no, indeed, it's for the smartest people, because it's it's taking it's taking it all on. It's taking on you know philosophy, life, truth. Uh, I don't mean to be dramatic, but the the more I think about it, you know, it was really that inspiring. It was it was culture. It was everything. And the more I learned about it, the more I thought, no, this is this is where you get to use everything you are and find out who you are at the same time. And I thought. Who could resist that?
1: Yeah, and the great fallacy is that you know, well, art's easy; anyone can do it. There's no rules. But the thing is, is if you look at other "quote unquote" like you know, I don't know, successful jobs or jobs that you know give you good pay, what the most challenging roles in those jobs is usually finding or the people who have to come up with something. They have to forge a new path or think outside the box or do something where there are no rules. You know what i mean and art is kind of like the hardest version of that because it's just carte blanche i mean there's no rules at all when i'm teaching i always say to students like you know anyone can learn how to make this or do that to an extent it's more about like your ideas and just thinking of something that's the hardest part is the fact that there are no rules and you just have to you're in charge you're the ceo you got to come up with every decision every idea You know the schedule and all that stuff and and to people outside of that who work in a nine-to-five think that's such an easy thing to do But it's actually really difficult
0: well, well, I mean the education that I got at RISD uh, a lot a lot of it especially in foundation which I Still really honor is the problem-solving only the teachers are giving you the problem. They're saying, okay, um, you know, uh, find an object in nature and make it into a, um, a chair. And you're like, hmm, how am I going to do that? So um, it's problem solving. And But when you are, you know, released into the field, so to speak, yes, it's problem solving, but you have to make up the problem. You have to design the puzzle and then design the solution. So, I mean, that sounds easy, like in the sense of like, oh, I designed the puzzle, so I already know the solution. But let me rephrase it, it's like you design a puzzle that has a mysterious solution that then you have to solve. So in in other words, you, you know, you, like you say, there's no rule, so no one's handing you the problem, you have to perceive the problem. Um, and then you have to figure out a way that you are going to solve it so it requires that level of observation to decide what is the problem here i mean what is the when i say problem i just mean what is the what is what is the what is the thing that is um that is uh uh you know what are the dilemmas that i perceive what are what are the things that that um that that, that just attract me in terms of like you know fascination or that I want to dig into where uh, and so you have to perceive that no one can tell you what's interesting you have to perceive right. it, and then you you have to get in there and, and and think like well, what can I do about this so i mean that that's to me that's everything it, and it, it requires all of you so um, and, and then it takes time. So... Yeah, uh, And put the time factor in there. And then... And then... And then... I don't know. What were we talking about? You know, in courage. You know, like just to be able to endure that. You know, the right. endurance for that.
1: Um, so did, did school kind of, you know, give you that structure of framework or that devotion? And the, you know, the focus in making that towards the end of RISD you thought I'm going to continue uh, this is what I'm going to do even though I think at that point you're still sort of playing around with different medium and thinking of different ways of making right which is something that in your work has continued on it's like it seems like I mean I love the fact that you know you're in, in looking at your work you know you could have a show next month and it could be anything and it wouldn't be out of the like it you know you're not afraid to jump into different areas and work in different ways and um I wonder like at that point when you're getting out of undergraduate school, were you wanting to focus in on something or were you wanting to narrow that? Because I think the dialogue at that point was a little more canonized than it is today, maybe.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean you know, I got like I gotta say, like all through RISD it was like, you know, painting, oil painting on canvas. And when I came to New York, that's what I brought with me as you know, the budding quote unquote practice was like, I'm, I'm just gonna live the dream. I'm gonna find a place to live in Manhattan. I'm going to, um, which was still possible then, uh, barely, but, but, but compared to now possible, I'm gonna, you know, get a day job, I'm gonna paint and I'm gonna try to live this dream. And, um, you know, it was very single-minded to, to do that. And, um, so that's what I did. Um, and, Until I kind of hit a wall after a few years because people were around me, friends I was meeting were starting to show. And I just felt like, you know, very self-critical. I wasn't ready. I didn't really have anything that I felt was, you know, a a coherent body of work because I kept like, it was never good enough. You know, I mean you know, and this is where my own psychology of like self-doubt and criticism comes in. It wasn't good enough. It wasn't good enough. And so I decided that, um, I needed to go back to graduate school and graduate school. So I, I I kind of, again, I always make these kind of little like, um, um, you know, road forks of where I can get sort of both out of the deal. And I said to myself, um, I'm just going to apply to Hunter. And it's in the city, and I won't have to give up this, you know, because once, you know, isn't it the truth about New York? Once you get a good living situation, you, you know, it's hard to make a lateral move because you oh, may yeah. not get this again. So, you know, the, the, you know, I think everybody who tangles with New York, real estate, you know, plays a part in your biography at a, at a certain point. Um, so I was like, okay, I don't want to leave New York, so I'll apply to Hunter. If I get in, I go to graduate school. If not, something else. And so um, I got in, so I went. And, um, and then graduate school really broke me down because the, like, the education, as I keep saying at RISD, was very hands-on, very problem-solving, very being a studio rat, just get in there, spend you know the mythical 10,000 hours in the studio and, and, and you'll, that will be the, the, the idea. And in graduate school, it just was like, oh, read this. And then it's like. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's, that's a great description of grad school. Read this. <laughs> like you've been sitting in a cave just like, you know, cobbling things together for a few years. How about you read something? Read
0: this. Benjamin this,
1: Buccalo. Yeah. Clement Greenberg. Yeah. Whatever. Michel it,
0: Foucault. Yeah. Like oh, okay. Roland Barth, And it, <laughs> it just wiped. You know the foundation under my little sandcastle, and it was just—I it broke. I mean, broke me down in the best way. I couldn't see it then, but um, you know, I it opened my eyes to yeah. ways of thinking—not just ways of making, ways of thinking—and it made. I mean, at, at the time, it was torture. I mean, I cried literally, you know, because I was like, I have to master Althazula or whatever his name is. I was like, you know, and I was just like, you know, I, no, I can't, you know. So I mean, to the, you know, because then, of course, everybody's like, well, if you're going to do it, you have to do it like, you know, wall to wall, f- and, and 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 I and that causes so much anxiety in the art students because, you know, they're not philosophy students, they're not semiotic students, like they're they're not like. You know, you have to balance it. You're gonna, you're gonna, you know, gloss over, and you're gonna get some ideas from Roland Barthes. that's gonna like break you down and like change your view of the world. But like, are you gonna read the whole oeuvre? No, you're gonna read one or two things so you have like a functional knowledge, just enough to fuck you up good, and then. <laughs> You know, you got to get back in the studio and think, now what do I make? Just enough to
1: confuse you. Just
0: enough (laughs) to terrify you. And then you're like, now what do I make? Um, Because now I can think about what I make in a totally different way, and I hate it. Um, Was it
1: one-to-one for you? Not to get in a tangent real quick, but I'm thinking about that. Like, I haven't really thought about that in the sense of, you know, when you do get to, like, grad school, like, you'll read all these things, you know? And then you stuff your mind through all these essays and all these books that you have to read on theory, or not theory, kind of philosophy a lot of times, mm. and then you go to your studio and you're supposed to, like, navigate, okay, here's my work, here's what I'm doing, and here's all that history of thinking. And it's just supposed to smush together and make your work better or more thoughtful. You know, and and it's funny because you would think that most of the examples of that kind of way of thinking philosophically would be... Um, provided in a more visual way because reading these essays is so non-visual you know what I mean it's kind of like siloed into philosophy or theory and then you're just supposed to visually regurgitate you know all that stuff that's being force-fed to you it's it's just interesting thing I mean did did it have the I, I guess a lot of times maybe it's just about thinking Yeah, more so than exactly like you can understand the panopticon like Foucault and it doesn't have to come into your work directly as an idea, but then you can think about how people are monitoring or watching or it can become a bigger theme that unconsciously sits in you and then maybe it ekes its way out in work in some shape, way or form. I don't know. How do you feel about it now, sort of on the other side of that kind of like essays versus You know, I don't teach. When I teach a theory class, I don't teach like that. I don't give them, you know, Clement Greenberg to read. I feel like they won't engage it. It's a different kind of learning now.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny because like just what you're saying, I'm like uh, uh, that. Like, okay, I've read all these essays, and now I have to go into the studio and like make the art that proves I read that. Is the is the recipe for the worst art you could possibly make, (laughs) but. you know, you got to go through it. I mean, unfortunately, you know, and this sort of gets into a a wider, you know, could get into a wider conversation, but then when, you know, people come and say, I'd like to show this, it's like, beware. (laughs) Because (laughs) it might not be the work you're meant to show. Because it's so fragile, it's so formative, you know? And, And it's such a recipe for, like, you know, really just... Like, if I think that, like okay, I mean, just to be, let's talk, you know, real examples. I was making these oil paintings of wigs, and I was lighting them, and then I was painting them, and I, I, a few have survived, and they're good paintings. They're, 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 they're nice, interesting, surreally juicy oil paintings of wigs, uh, of just disembodied hair floating in the center of a field, and, and, you know, um, I can forgive myself, you know, for them and say like, well, these are some, you know, pretty good oil paintings. But of course, what did I do? I went to Lower East Side and I bought artificial hair and I started weaving canvases with real hair. Like, I mean, well, fake hair. Like, so in other words, like, I'm like, I can't depict anymore. I must actualize. So, So, you know, say that thing. Then I'm like, okay. Now I'm, now, okay, now we're into feminism, now I need, I ended up, my thesis show was these pillows, so it's, in other words, like, it became, like, a stuffed painting that was actually, like, a domestic object, which were, like, stuffed with hair and had holes, and then I had these plastic, you know, like, plastic covers that people use. I found a guy on the lower east side who made plastic covers, so I covered all the pillows with plastic, so it was, like, transparency, and condom, and layers, and If I had shown and I scattered them around the student gallery and I had embroidered sayings on them from like embroidered pillows that I would see like in the Upper East Side saying like, all my sons are geniuses. So imagine that, a plastic covered pillow made out of canvas with a hole, with hair, with a plastic cover with the embroidered slogan, all my sons are geniuses. So it ticks so many boxes of what I was learning It's totally illustrative of like, you know, AIDS, uh, you know, early 90s or late 80s, early 90s. So it's like, you know, AIDS, activism, feminism, um, body, we could make a huge list. And I probably did in my statement. Very coherent. But if I had shown that work and made a career on it, maybe not so good for me. So I'm glad that that wasn't ever exhibited beyond the student thing right but if i look at right but if i look at it now even just while i'm speaking i'm like plastic covers like multiple surfaces you know transparently like against each other i'm like i've sort of always been interested in that like from the video like onwards to like now and i'm thinking Okay, like so even in, you know what I'm saying about unlocking this puzzle, but you're building the puzzle. Honey, it takes years, and no one has the, I don't. I mean, I'm just going to go there. People don't have the courage to tell young artists that, that it's going to take years, and that's okay, because it always has yeah. taken years. You know, you're not going to come like Athena, just sprouted out of the brow. That's what's called a myth. Um <laughs> You know, it's like, you know, my, my, I always tell this, and I'm like, um, you know, what's the best joke? Okay. Here's a joke about painting. What's so hard about painting?
1: What's so hard about painting?
0: The first 20 years. (laughs) (laughs) Make make that 40, make that 40 in my case. I'll take a, I'll take a double dose. (laughs) I'll take a double dose of what's hard. But, um, but really like, I mean, that's the thing, you know, and um, so I, I, I wait, I, I lost the thread. Well,
1: the early <laughs> stuff, the, the early stuff, though, is interesting. I think the reason it, it, the cautionary tale of it is more the structure of the business or art world or whatever, because it's in, it, I, I can look back at student work and I can say to myself, well, that was a crappy painting. But this interesting idea there and it's it, what's interesting in it is what I didn't know yet or what I was exploring that, you know what I mean? Absolutely. It's like if you listen to like a punk band their first kids their first band in high school or something you might think all oh, the lyrics and yeah you know, it's a little derivative or whatever but it really talks about the energy of what those kids were feeling at that moment so there's a value in that even if you don't say it's the best work those people have ever done it's like the child actor thing it's like the child actor might not be bad it just might be hollywood that's screwing them they're killing them or you know making it a problem yeah. it's the structure not so much the active act of creating things and then looking at it early on before it's fully based you know what I mean
0: yeah well I mean you know we we invoked Foucault didn't we it's the structure it's the structure um look (laughs) at the structure that's where the rod is you know but um I'm um yeah oh did you, you know what came to mind did you ever read um Jeff Tweedy's uh book of um
1: oh, of Wilco
0: Wilco um he oh, yeah. what is the name of that he has an autobiography uh, and I read it this summer I mean you know much later I heard about it it's I haven't such, read it oh god it's such a good book and I think every young artist should read it because um he really talks about that like 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 getting his first guitar and just pegging out songs and, and, and not, not even believing that, like, you know, little old me from the Midwest could write, a, 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 a beautiful song, but, but yet he, even with all this doubt, he, he still pursues it, and it's called, um, it's all like, let, let, let's go, let's go, no, let's go home now, or, or let's go, let, let's, let's leave so we can go, or something, it's, um, Let's go, so we can leave. By Jeff Tweedy, it, it's an autobiography, and I thought it, it should be required reading, um, at least for at least for American art students, because um, and it
1: fuses music, which is great. Oh because yeah, because I think music's such a good parallel to get artists to understand things in a different way, but more directly in, in a way. You know what I mean? Like music is just a great. Yeah. That guy was actually at. If I'm not mistaken, he was at the sh- a show that my band, my second band, played at in New Haven. At Rudy's, do you remember Rudy's, that dive bar that was, like, a, on Hope Street? I think, you know, it's funny. I think it's been there for a long time. I don't well, know
0: my bar. my family bar was called Malone's, <laughs> so I have some very Malone's. scary childhood memories of Malone's. In New Haven? Yeah, but I don't even know if it's there in it yet, but, um, Malone, you know, my family more frequented Malone's. Um, and um, so I don't know about the Yale, Yale bars, but later I got taken to some when I, when I did a little teaching stint there. So I might have crossed the threshold. But, um, yeah, like I say, my, my New Haven memories are a bit different.
1: <laughs> oh, I mean, this was a dive bar. This was not. I don't know. It was in New Haven, but it wasn't, like, polished at all. It was a real, it was a real dive. The, and we would go to the Anchor. That was the other one. It was a little more, like, old-timey. But, um, but yeah, he seems like a real i mean that's that's a pretty cool dude who like goes and plays a gig, and then he goes out and sees like a crappy band afterwards at a dive bar. It's kind of like
0: he's a <laughs> believer I, he's a believer he he's yeah. he's he's a believer, he seems like a very i don't know, I have like a a thi- a a thing where he's like a very nice person I'd like to meet <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's a good transition too, to talk about music this whole way, I mean obviously, I think it was pretty important to you, right, or you were always interested in music
0: oh yeah I mean um I I, you know from uh yeah I think artists are the some of the best listeners aren't we because um you have all those studio hours to just listen 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 and so I I just think like yeah artists are like musicians best friends because because we have all this time um in the studio and um so yeah uh I mean yeah I, I I I can't um claim to be the one who is the hunter gatherer though I mean I I get I get it all served because um I've been married to someone since you know we met at RISD who is um you know really super avid like a super avid um collector you know I mean we've got um you know he's been buying albums since he's 13 and we have a huge collection of LPs in our hallway and um it's funny, there's one funny story about that. It's like, you know, he has like, like 10,000 albums in, stuffed into this hallway and um, in, in shelves. And one time one of our son's friends came over and he, he said, your parents have really thin books. <laughs>
1: <laughs> didn't even know what they were. No, he we didn't classic. know what
0: they were, right? <laughs> so, you know, I, re- I rely on a lot of recommendations. But yeah, I mean, I have very eclectic tastes. And um, I just... Well, I, were
1: there bands at RISD? playing when you were there because providence is a big music town
0: um i just remember this band called the egyptians and we would um they were sort of like a like a a, you know god what were they across between like the b-52s and um and um uh uh i'm trying to think of another band from the time like you know the the um oh i don't know uh Anyways, it was, I just remember like... Was it
1: like that 80s kind of... Yeah, how do you describe the B-52s?
0: It wasn't us, it was sort of like, like weird, like quirky voices and like, you know, kind of a jangly, insistent rock with quirky voices, double double and triple harmonies and like, you know, um, and, and and just people like, um, and there, were, there were the bands like around called like Rubber Rodeo and like there was like there was a place called Lupo's and there was like, you know the RISD had the tap room and and yeah, there were a lot of like there was this big factory complex called the c CC, c c c a or something it was all like abandoned factories and there used to be big parties and i mean it was really sort of a i mean you know obviously, I look at it through rose colored glasses it was like a glory day because um you know it was it was sort of the the whip end of the you know this this seventies so we you know we kind of got it was like the whip end of the sexual revolution of the seventies and before AIDS. And so suitably we went fucking crazy, you know, and, yeah. um, it was great.
1: <laughs> well, what about the, what about the Lower East Side? Cause you were, you didn't, you have a loft by Canal street or something and weren't you going, to, I mean, that, that is a hotbed of music at that point.
0: Right. yeah yeah we we went um we, yeah we did we, we 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 found this uh loft it was 46 canal so I still I still always go down there and I see like dimes and stuff and I'm like all these restaurants and fancy places and I, I get my I was a punk before you was a punk attitude and I'm right, like right. you know it, it, living down here in like 84 85 it was I mean I love there was like a little secret part of Manhattan that, um, you know, on the the Canal Street on the other side of the Manhattan Bridge. I mean, it was all like, um, the thing that I remember was like, um, all the soup restaurants were like, run by like Orthodox uh, Jews and like, they literally would give you a bowl of soup and then in the center of the bowl was a, a tin cup and the soup was in the tin cup and then they would dump it into your bowl. Why? To prove that everyone got the same. So it, but it was like, so like from like the camp, it felt like from the, so like the camps, it was like, you had this beat up tin cup and he, the waiter would slam it down and, and then he would take the cup and dump it into the bowl. And, um, like just crazy stories. Like, like there was a, a, a restaurant across the street and I used to go over there for a coffee and, and the, the waiter, like he literally pressed into my palm, a piece of gefilte fish and Because he thought I was starving, I think, because I was like this (laughs) kid with like this mohawk and like a big trench coat. And I I think he just thought I was a starving child. And so he literally pressed a piece of gefilte fish into my hand and told me, don't tell anybody.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, times, neighborhoods changed, right?
0: Neighborhoods changed. Um, So I remember the gefilte fish wet in my palm more than the bars and the music. (laughs) but oh, that's yeah. just me well, that's
1: a <laughs> lasting memory <laughs> but was your studio in the loft when you, and yeah. this was during school well wow well, or was it after
0: Well Hunter had this thing where yeah, I mean it was literally like like literally like um you know Kenny and I had this loft it was a little loft, it was this little railroad loft. It went from canal to, through to division and it was shaped like a like a barbell. It had like two rooms and a wide hallway. And so it was literally his studio in the front, her studio in the back, and we slept in the hallway, basically. And so I mean it was very you know, romantic, you know, young love and oil paint and you know Scott he was making sculpture and um working in restaurants and you know that was the deal um when I went to Hunter the reason I went was because it was considered like a commuter school and so there was no facility and um so you didn't have to join a studio a group studio or whatever um it was uh you would go uptown on the upper east for the academic classes and then they would literally meet in someone's studio and go studio to studio week by week for studio visits. And that sounded good to me, but halfway that's through, cool. it would have been cool. Right.
1: Opposite of today. Right. People are like, I want to go there because I can get a studio. Well, and that, Otherwise forget it.
0: That's what it turned into. Cause halfway when I <laughs> was there, they got you know, they got a building and then we all had to move into the studio. And that was like a crisis for me because I was like, I don't want to go in a group. I want to stay independent. But they were like, come to the group studio building or leave the program. So I, I, I ended up having to, to move in um, to, to the Hunter Studios, um, which, you know, uh, it sounds so stupid but that I resisted that, but, you know, that was then. Um, but yeah, I, I so I, I ended up by the end of that, I, I was still painting all through that program, but as I say, it kind of became these kind of quasi-paintings with materials, then going out of there I just gave up painting um, entirely and I was doing sculpture but the sculpture the and this is the 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 big like you know story was I was making making sculptures out of Food. I made sculptures out of bread. And because I'd kind of been in heavy duty, you know, feminist thing, and like, you know, I was started, so I was investigating, like, you know, all I knew how to do was paint. So I was like, how do I make something? It's like, well, I know how to sew, I know how to cook, I know how to do these homely arts. from growing up, so let me investigate those. So I, was, I went from sewing and embroidering to cooking. So I was, you know, um, uh, doing sculptures out of bread. So needless to say, living in the Lower East Side, I came to my studio one day and rats had invaded the studio and eaten and destroyed um, all the work. And so I realized Too crazy. That's a
1: crazy studio problem to have. Right? Yeah, it like, rats ate all my art. It
0: was horrifying. <laughs> it was fucking horrifying. We had moved into this loft on Forsyth Street, it, like, and I had the studio in the way, way back. And yeah, through those, you know, through those alleys between the buildings, you don't even want to know. It was like Willard, and um, so. All these rats came and, and and just the thought, like it scared me so much because it happened when I wasn't there, obviously. So it was like, time, time. That's what I couldn't control. The time that I stepped away, that that sculpture should be permanent. And then the, here was this time lag. And during the time lag, the rats came and ate the work. And that's what I couldn't control. And I realized that's what I can't control in the sculpture is time. And um, at and that, Made me want to make a video. And literally, the first video I made is about eating bread. I mean, it sounds like, it sounds apocryphal, but I, it's true. And um so, my brother in law had a camera, and I didn't even have a camera. And I went up to his apartment and I said, I'm going to do a performance. Um, you know, it's going to be, um, uh, t- time-based, like no cuts, no edits, um, just to now that I, I can analyze it now, it's that block of time, that missing block of time. So it was like, you know, iris up. I mean, iris open. Performance, iris closed. And and I just had him stand behind the camera and say when I do this, you turn the camera on. When I do this, you turn the camera off. And so the first performance is 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 that, and it was the most successful and satisfying thing. I felt like I had made in you know three and a half years at that point, point. and so then I thought, I guess I should keep doing making video and um, so that's how the video happened and I couldn't edit. I was you know terrified of the technology and like you know how am I going to do this? So all the video early videos were um, just point and shoot they were there was no edits, they were all basically performances for a camera so I didn't have the burden of editing because I just had to start and stop. Um and that was the deal. Um So the
1: time around that is interesting because so like where is video at at that point? You know what I mean? Like what were you looking at or I mean obviously you got the kitchen in Wooster and like you have performance stuff going on and it's a charged atmosphere as far as, you know, like we're talking like early nineties,
0: right? Yeah, yeah. And I was good you mentioned that because, you know, I mean, the art world at that time, I mean, it was it was that first big blast of like <clears throat> West Broadway, Mary Boone, Queen of the Art scene jungle was like her, you know, New York uh, magazine cover, and it was you know the Italians and Sally and Schnabel and all that going on, and that was what, and we felt you know I remember thinking oh we don't even have clothes that are good enough to walk in these galleries, you know it was super intimidating, and um and and it, it, you know because so the mind fucks are like coming right and left because you know you're reading theory and then at the same time you're 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 having West Broadway and you're like. I, I I don't recognize, I, what do I do with all this? So what Kenny and I started doing is seeing a lot of performance art. And we, you know, now that you're bringing me back, I'm like, we didn't go so much to music clubs. We were going to like um, a King Tut's Hut and the Triangle and the Pyramid and, and, and La Mama and seeing John Jesseron and seeing the Wooster Group and um, seeing like tons and uh, tons of, performance art. And there was a group called Watch Face that the painter James Sienna was was in uh, as a performance artist. Um, so my first encounter with uh, painter James Siena was as a performance artist. Um, Ken, uh, Kenny, my sister was at Sarah Lawrence at the time, and we curated a little group show of, of performance art that we brought up to Sarah Lawrence. And my sister helped, you know, help us make a night of underground performance. Um, we were dabbling in performance art a little bit. Um, so there not were... a lot of
1: that was not a lot of that was recorded though. Right. A lot of no. that was just in the moment.
0: Yeah. Do you think and it, it would have held up? Oh, oh yeah, I do. <laughs> a dance noise, dance noise. I mean, look up dance noise um, on, on YouTube and, and see some of their, 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 their performances. It, absolutely holds up um and I mean John I mean when John Jeseron his performances he had like Steve Buscemi um as like a principal there are a lot of the Worcester group that's you know where you know now it's you know legend but like you know uh Willem Dafoe and Kate Valk and and Ron Voder, like all these people who you know and uh, you know uh, Defoe and Vauder, you know, had, um, you know, Hollywood uh, come calling. But, like, I mean, we saw infamous things like Roots 1 and 9 um, that the Worcester Group did. I mean, we saw so much good stuff, so much. Now that I look at it, it was like we we were there for a lot of really good things. Um, a lot
1: of that's lost because – mm-hmm. or not lost, but, I mean, it, it exists in the minds of the people who've created that stuff and they pass it along through, you know, sort of like almost verbally. But, I mean, a lot of that wasn't – captured you know what i mean there's so much of that time i think about that with music too like mm. before video cameras or videos were readily available i mean a lot of those performances and stuff were just you know legend i remember seeing uh decline of the western civilization you know with like live performances with like gg allen and germs and i was like oh my god like i can't believe that actually yeah. those performances existed you know yeah. it's, it's interesting i and saw like the minute video men. too Oh, oh yeah, you saw th- you yeah, saw I I I, I saw
0: the Minuteman in Providence, actually. For some reason we went back to Providence for a weekend or something. We caught the Minutemen and I actually I'm not such a, you know, celebrity hound, but I actually shook D Boone's hand in the green in the back room. Oh wow. That that that's like that was a big one for me to to meet D Boone. Um, but and I interrupted well, I cross talked you, sorry. <laughs>
1: Oh no, I think we're it's just a really interesting, you know, this this time where some things were captured and I mean like these video pieces that you did that really resonated and kind of became like iconograph, you know, like they, they were you know remembered and they're still, you know, like if you google you you see these videos you could still see them and mm. know, and it's it's interesting to think about how that time of how much energy and like to your point about, you know, Defoe or people like like this these sort of events seemed to be mingling in a way that was crossing boundaries that were just never really there before you know and it must have been really exciting i mean th- i think now with information with video and everything's readily available it's hard to kind of have that um, i don't know that that new kind of mingling of ideas you know it has to and now it's so tethered to technology but back then it, it really felt like you know there were there were a lot of things that were happening that were really exciting where things were like blurring lines between the divisions you know <laughs> and then like to, i guess you said then you have west broadway which is just the the canon stuff of like the business side of art world which is driving a lot of what's you know being digested as far as money is concerned yeah. so it, it, it felt like Two different lanes, almost.
0: Yeah, 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 and I and I think, um, God, there's so much to talk about here. I mean, I think that, um, yeah, there was it, it was that sense of like, um, you know, the do-it-yourselfness of. I mean, a lot of these, you know, these theaters that are, you know I'm talking about. I mean, yes, you had, you know, BAM, and you know, you had, um, you know, Einstein on the beach on one hand, which was just like super deluxe. But then you had people doing things in, you know, grungy East Village bars um, that was, I mean, in some ways it it all felt equally valid to me um, on, um, you know, on on an equal footing in terms of, you know, what was like, um, you know, captivating and exciting. And I and and yeah, like what like it just it just. Well I think the world the world was smaller then wasn't it? You know, the art world was smaller. There was there was just less less you know, people in it and and there was more I don't know, there was maybe more free, you know, freedom like in terms of the professionalization of it, you know. Um Yeah. Uh and and, and so you just kind of felt like that that um uh that ex- well I guess you know, for us and for me, like that—that that feeling of like, of questioning, and 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 of that one year I could be an oil painter, and the next year I could be a performance artist. Like, it didn't feel like, oh, stay in your lane. You know, it didn't. There, I mean, that right. was like, like that could hardly be said. Um, and uh, and 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 that this this idea of like um, that there were demand that, that like there was a demand on you, and the demand was to. Um, figure it out and, and, and but figure it out by any means necessary. So if it meant throwing out throwing out your paint brushes or it meant picking up your paint I mean you know it was just like anything you know you, you yeah, that, that was my feeling of the time. It was just like that, that what was required of you was to um, you know just try it you know and um, and, and, and that, that sense of like experimentation. I mean, it seems so old-fashioned to say experiment. You know, people are so like, like, you know, people are. I don't know. I just feel like it just wasn't so fear-based. Isn't everything now so fear-based? If that's what it feels Definitely. like to me, and so it just wasn't that feeling of fear, um, which I feel. You know like is, why, right? Tell me I why. Feel like it, <laughs> I feel like
1: I know this. I feel like it's because when you when you're going to walk down a dark tunnel right and you've never been in one before or you've only heard a couple stories about it there is and you don't have all this peripheral information about it you feel like oh well something could happen but hey let's go in there let's, let's like explore it but then if you hear endless stories about tunnels and how there's bats or like how people fall in them or don't go down there and then you know you see images you see videos of people like getting lost in it and all this information around it you become much more hesitant. You're like, uh, well, it's not that unknown anymore because other people have done it and you've seen it. And then you're probably only going to have like some sort of fear-based experience in there. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. almost like the more information there is out there, which we're now saddled in. I mean, it's you know, it. That's why it. Exi- everyone's afraid because of the internet. They have all this information. So no matter what, you can go online. Like if you have a runny nose, you can Google it, and all <laughs> no, of a sudden you have cancer. cancer. so do you know what I'm saying I think that's why we live in a more fear-based society because their ignorance is bliss sometimes and there's something to be said for not knowing what was going to happen like when I if I knew everything I knew now about the art world and being an artist and doing all that stuff back when I was choosing to be an artist I would have thought about that decision a lot differently you know what I mean there would have been different more stakes or something I didn't know anything I was just like whatever you know I'll just try this and yeah. you just do it, you know. There's a little bit of uh, reckless abandon.
0: Well, I, and to me, what you're describing when you say, and I thought that was an excellent, excellent metaphor about the tunnel. And, and you know, the thing what you're saying of like when you he are fed constant stories about how dangerous and scary and bats and snakes and tunnels, and so therefore you're already bef- made up your mind never to go in a tunnel. That sounds like, that sounds like mind control to me, you yeah. know? It's like mind control. It's like before you have the experience to decide for yourself, your decisions have been made for you. Your mind has been, in in other words, made up. Like it's been made. Your mind has been made by all of this information. um, And it's controlling you. So that sounds like mind control to me. And I think that there is a, you know, I mean, I think, um, or even like, yeah, there is a lot of, Mind control in our in our world now, where you know people are being like persuaded and influenced without having the possibility to experience. And I think that you know, I mean, and, and this is the thing, isn't it? Because people like are artists can be afraid to experience um, uh, the the panoply of, of 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 situations and experiences that I think it really takes to be an artist, which is failure. Which is fucking up, which is doing like work that you're like not sure of, and you have to have all those experiences to form you. And if you're afraid to have those experiences, how can you form? How can you form yourself? Um, right. Because you're 100%. you're held back. But like then you have to give to in order to have experiences. What do you need? Time. You need the time. But no one has the time because everybody's so damn worried about their career, and right. it's like you know, it's it's a bummer, man.
1: It really is, and you can't. It's almost like you can't blame people now too, huh. because there is so much. Like they're hearing so much, and there is like. You know, like if you go to school, you're going to be paying that back for, for, you know what I mean? And if you try to move to New York City or to Los Angeles, you're going to pay out. It's going to be really. And they know about it, too. Like the cave is there. The tunnel's there. And they know about it. They know about the perils and pitfalls of it. And then when you couple that with parents, uh, being one myself, parents who are like, hey, don't go in there it's not gonna good come out you know it's that's a dark place it's you're gonna get hurt in there or whatever yeah. like all that compi- compiled and you have you know artists and then my my other critique of all this information is when you're never bored and you're always sitting and letting entertainment wash over you you're not be being creative you're not sort of being imaginative as much because it, everything's imaginative for you so you're like ah, eh, someone else will do it better
0: yeah. 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 I mean, it is, you know, not now that I sometimes I feel really lucky, you know, to have come been raised in an age of like benign neglect, you know, where where nobody said, like, <laughs> it's, kid. So, it's so,
1: don't, isn't it funny? It's so true. And my, my son makes fun of me because he's like, Hey, Dad, what was it like growing up in the dark ages? And, he like, he means it because, like, we didn't have phones. We didn't have the Internet. So he's like, oh, my God, what was it like growing up with, like, a phone that was attached to your wall? Good Lord. You know, like, to him, that's just, like, unfathomable and, you know, primitive with a capital P. But there was a beauty to that. You know what I mean? There was something nice about it, I think. Yeah. Or maybe that's just getting old. What do I know? <laughs> <laughs> maybe well,
0: Maybe it's yeah. awesome
1: being, you know in that phase now. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Ask the ask ask the youth. Ask the youth, but like I I do I sort of think that like um I mean it's fun to talk about these things just, you know, because, you know, I mean how they shaped us and and you know, we're we're still being shaped. I mean, you know, it's in in the sense of like you know, some of these attendant pressures um I I mean, and with the way the art world has changed and the way um, technology has changed, I mean, you know, we still uh, uh, have to grapple because, you know, I think to myself, you know, you know, oh, like I'm putting pictures of my, from my studio on Instagram, like, you know, I feel like it's, you know, my little message in a bottle, you know, I, I, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm just to say, like, I, I you know, I'm here, you know, and then I'm like, oh, what, should I be doing that? I don't know, what should I do? You know, it's like, um, it, you know, it, it, it's like, in other words, um, even it didn't inoculate me. I mean, I, some of these, ble- you know, the blessings that I had, you know, growing up in the time I did and coming to New York in the time I did, like, um, I still need to keep giving myself, just to extend the metaphor, because it's so apt, um, boosters of like, no, I can, I can exist in my own way. I don't need to be 100% validated, you know, by collectors in order to, you know, do what I think is needed uh, what I yeah. think is worthy of doing what what risks I want to take are my decision, and i don't need to take a poll um about it um and i I think you'd need a constant a, a reup of of that and it's not easy you know to to like like um you know be operating um outside of a system of 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 constant um uh reinforcement and validation by um by the power of, 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 uh, of the moneyed, uh, uh, um, you know, um, s- class who is, who, who seems to be in charge of, you know, all, all this shit now. Yeah. It's a lot.
1: <laughs> well, so just getting back to that, that moment that you started doing those videos and like, I know. Or at least I believe that you probably feel that, you know, oh, well, those were done a long time ago and I've, I've done a lot of stuff since. Well, I think the reason those resonate maybe is because just the time that they came out and when they hit and the moment, they just really connected with people. You know what I mean? It was kind of like that wasn't happening. Like yeah. I don't know, It just seemed like you, you really broke through something there that became enigmatic. When you moved on, two things that I'd I'd like to explore is one is moving on from that how you, you know, how your work has changed and mutated over that time, and and also too how you feel now about video culture, or because at that at at that time those videos it it was a much different way of seeing like seeing a video on like a VHS tape playing through a big TV as opposed to now when everyone's doing video everywhere. Mm, And I I think you've, you've used to make vines right? or you've done like short videos and things like that. Yeah. That other video too. I know the, the ones that were sort of figurative and um, there were, there were certain conceptual pinnings to the ones that have, you know you you really see a lot but that one I th- is it called something in commercials scenes, scenes and, commercial and commercials scenes and commercials i love yeah. that video oh
0: thanks i love scenes and commercials too that was like the first like abstract one sort of but yeah i have yeah. a lot i have a lot to say about this um well i'll tell you i mean you know i sort of made you know the reference to like the epic fail of sculpture and then that kicked me into like Oh, the the realm of time. Um, but also, right around that time, um, a friend, uh, uh, art critic um, Kirby Gookin, was teaching a class at NYU, and I just happenstance ran right into him, and he's like, oh, I'm teaching this class, and I'm going to do a video screening of, um, you know, early art, of artist videos, which, you know, were unavailable at any other way, unless you went to a mm. museum or you were taking a class. And somehow Kirby had his hands on a cache of um, videos. So, so I went, he said, come to the class. Um, so I went to the class. And so he showed akanchi Wegman, Joan Jonas. Um, Nauman? Nauman, Linda Benglis. And he showed a host of artist videos. June Pike. And, but it was the performance videos, the Wegman, um, that got me. because was, I
1: was, uh, was Patty Chang around that time, or was that later? Was her that video, was later. It was later. was later.
0: No, later. no, no, later. Okay. It was a, later. And so I was like, oh, wow. like Especially like the Wegman and the uh, uh, Nauman. Because yeah. the Wegman was the humor, and the Nauman was the language. Because I really was interested, you know, coming off graduate school in like... You know, the kind of playing with language, like slipping of signifiers and all the semiotic stuff. And like, you know, I loved the way both Nauman and Wegman sort of turned what I saw as like an intellectual play with language into jokes and fun. So it was kind of like, wait, this, the performance art of the East Village that I was seeing, you know, that was more like punk and raw and, 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 and about persona and... um and, and acting and I knew I couldn't act or I didn't feel like I could act, but I could perform. So I was like, okay, let me try the, let me try to kind of blend this all together, you know, and then plus you had MTV. And you had Ah,
1: Remember MTV.
0: Remember MTV. <laughs> and you also had Madonna. Super important. And I and, and I can't I really have to give that props because um, you know, in terms of I can't act, but I can perform. There you go. Yeah. It's like, it was, it was, it was just this performance of like, the, of, of like this ironic performance of, of, of female sexuality and, and aggressive too, which appealed to me. So you put all that in the hopper and what do you get? Head. You get, you know, a video like that, which is like, I always called like safe sex action painting. So, um, you know, it was, which is to a rock beat. So it was kind of like combining, like, you know, Madonna, MTV, and Nauman, uh, and Wegman, and then oh, and Jackson Pollock, you know, uh, and uh, the uh, the um, uh, famous films of him, of like the painting as performance. And Linda the Benglis, I and imagine, and was big too, right? that because huge Benglis, huge. I
1: mean, Antony and Janine Antonia, uh, like Chew, or like, videos like that you they know, or,
0: they were Anthony and, and janine Antoni and um matthew barney were kind of peers all yeah coming to video at the same time as as i was and like i wouldn't say they're uh, you know peers in the sense of like they weren't people i knew or were hanging out with um and certainly we all had different takes on it um but yeah it was and then at the same time you had um which is always, you know, crucial uh, is um the development of technology in the sense that you had consumer uh cameras. Like and and, and so instead of having to have like a port a pack with a huge video belt with a battery and a big cumbersome rig, um, like the early vi- or very, very early video artists did like Pike and and Bruce Nauman, you had um, you know, uh, uh you know, you could just take a a vhs tape and stick it in the camera record and then just play it on the vh vhs so i mean people who are listening to this who are younger might not even know what the fuck i'm talking about but um (laughs) you know in other words it was easy you know the old warhol like it i I want it to be easy um and so like what could be easier than just recording a video and not editing and just like oh here's it's done um and so, so, so that's what I went for. Um, so it really was like a kind of um, me standing at a crossroads of all different things, but not passively, like definitely trying to cook it up. Um, so when I did you have... what's interesting? Hmm, go ahead. Real
1: quick, that was so raw too, that, that easiness that you're talking about. Then was a VHS, it was like a camera. Now it's very easy, but it's so complicated and polished It's like all this video content that comes prepackaged. So it's funny it's gone to the other end of the spectrum now.
0: Yeah, You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, two things like, you know, all those things that I'm talking about, VHS and a VHS camera and like, um, you know, the kind of feedback of uh, like a closed circuit video. And it, it looks antique now. It was not antique then. It was it was no, yeah, it was yeah. the latest state thing. State of the art. It was state yeah. of the art. You know. So 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 it's funny when we talk about technology because no one ever intends, you know, that their 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 work engaging technology is going to look antique. But because technology moves so fast, it quickly becomes. Antique, and then you're like, "Oh, that grainy screen. How can I get that look?" But it's like, "Oh, wait, no, that was actually looked like a slick screen back in the day." Right. But um, it
1: looked amazing back then.
0: Right. But I mean, all those vivid colors, you know. Um, So, so, anyways, I digress. But, um, uh, so, so that. You know, but the funny thing is, uh, all this time on the back burner bubbling, I secretly kind of crept back into painting. So I was how like... How dare you? Yes, how dare right? How dare <laughs> I? Like, well, literally, because people were like, these two things don't go together. This is not... Yeah, chocolate. that's not punk. This is right. not... Yeah, it's not even chocolate and peanut butter. These things don't even taste good together. Because the people who like painting hate technology, and the people who love technology hate painting. So how, in the name of Christ, can you be doing... Um, something so technological and something so primitive with, you know, bristles on the end of a freaking stick. Like, you're not allowed to do both. And I faced a lot of that. And and, and it, you know, even to my own heart, was like, what's wrong with you? Like, why do you think these things go together? Like, like they don't. But then there's that little voice that says, they might. Um, Or maybe you can make them. Um, Or, like, and there was a lot of but you know, I mean, kids, you got you're, you're ahead
1: of your time there, and and that's why you're amazing is because well, you see you. the dark tunnel, you see the dark tunnel, and you weren't afraid to just barrel in there, fighting bears really... in the
0: woods since 1962.
1: I guess that's what the old training ground was up in the middle of the forest, <laughs> wrestling with bears, <laughs> bear wrestler slash video artist. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, um, so yeah, uh, but it, it's just, it's like, that's just, you know, I don't know. I mean, what, what, it, what does it take? I, I mean, I'm, I think, you know, I mean, I, I, sound, I I feel like the freaking, um, cryptkeeper, but like, you, you know, there is a certain amount of pain one needs to be able to endure to, to be an artist. Like it, it, it's there, there's, it's required. You, you, there's pain involved. Kids? <laughs> yeah. yeah <there> is. Well, <laughs> there it's like any it's a, any
1: practicing thing, right? Like if you play a musical instrument, you play drums, there's pain involved. Like to put those hours in and to get to that point, you know, or acting, there's the, the, the pain of going through those roles. Whatever it is, you know, you yeah. have to go through the ringer in a way.
0: Yeah. But like when do
1: you feel like you started um, – like, what we were talking about in the beginning, like, that... It's not, like, a moment of enlightenment, but, but when you start to... St- it's almost like the effort attitude of, like, well, I'm just going to do what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Like, you become comfortable in what you want to express, or, like, do the painting for 20 years, and then you're just like, whatever, I can... It's my choice now. I've earned it. Or when did you feel, like, comfortable enough to start, you know... Or was it a slow process of, like, working back into painting or showing, you know, different kinds of work after that video, and then also you know i i don't want to assume that right now you're just making whatever the hell you want to make and i don't care what you think but there is a little bit of that i think as we mm. you know as the years go by as a creative person where you're maybe a little less concerned about what everyone else thinks and you're a, middle, a little more invested in like this is what i believe this is what i want to make right now and if yeah. you like it great
0: yeah you know? well i think that you know i mean like you know after I mean the videos were very successful. I cannot deny that. Like, and, and it really put me on a map, so to speak. And you know, I can't, I can't ignore that. Um, and you know, but then it became like, um, I don't know. I guess I'm, I, I, I'm just willful because I, I was like, these are interesting. I'm going to pursue this, and I'm going, but I'm, but, but based on these questions, like, and a lot of the you know, and the questions I'd been dealing with, you know, what is, what is, um, what is, you know, what is a feminist? What is feminism? What is, what is the, the, you know, what do I do with my body? Like, what is an act? What is a gesture? What is, um, what is, you know, uh, is, you know, how is painting linked with performance? How do we make a mark? Um, what sticks? You know, what, uh, so, so, uh, You know, who am I when I'm making something? What, you know, I mean, and, and I think that whole catalog of early videos is like, when I look back at it now, it's like a... It's like a, a burlesque performance of painting, but it's also like a how-to manual. Like, what's the pro? What is? What is the surface of painting? Where is the surface of painting? How is the body engaged? Like all these questions. What? What, what is? You know? What is? What is language? How does language involve itself in the image? Like, you know? And, and all these questions. So it was. It was sort of. The videos were were were, were doing that, t- t- describing that. And you know, then technology changed and I learned how to edit because I could edit privately at home on a computer, as opposed to, you know, having to go into a suite and you know describe to somebody else what I wanted, which I found incredibly humiliating and anxiety-producing. So I would be able to do so my editing got really much better when I was able to do it privately when everything went to digital. Um, And then technology changes, and then, you know, I realized um, screens, like, you know, because I never wanted to, everybody said, oh, if you're going to be a video artist in terms of, like, career path, you have to start projecting, because you have to be able to package this and sell this as an installation, because, you know, I mean, I'm describing all this from the artist's point of view, but then it's like, make an addition, sweetie, but I'm like, how can I make an addition? This thing is liquid; it fits any glass I pour it into. So how can I say it can it can go in a goblet, but not a, a you know, but not a not a swimming pool? Like like it doesn't make any sense. So I really resisted the idea of like commercializing it by by assuring collectors that it's a sing that it is a limited edition project. And you know, I would I I, I, I was kind of lied about, oh yeah it is sure you know it's like but it's not it never was um and I didn't want to project it and make an installation so a l- lot of projects then became how do I combine painting and video like do I have paint can I have paintings and videos at the same time and so then I really spent a lot of years trying to yoke them together in a very like almost illustrative way or like like a dependent way, like the paintings were made during the performance, or they were made reflecting on the performance, or stills, or after, or da, da, da. you know, I went through a lot of, you know, it's permutation, 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 of of pers- and pursuing these questions that were, in fact, burning to me, trying to, how do I do this? How? Like, I know what I want, you know, it's like, what's that? I know, what is that, uh, Johnny Rotten, um, I know I don't know what I want, but I know how to get it. It's sort of like, I, I know what I want, but I don't know how to get it. So I have to keep trying to get it. So all this does not make for a smooth biography of right. like timeline, oh, she has a brand, you know? I mean, that was just so anathema to me. Like, uh, you know, I hear, you know, Digressing, but here Republicans now talking about I ride with the brand. Fuck you! (laughs) Like that's not representation. To ride with a brand is not representation. Who are you? You're not representing any. You're representing a brand. So it's it's this abstract idea. You're not really helping people. So it's like a a brand was not helping me to figure out what I wanted to out of art. So like all this permutation is, and you know I, I had shows that. I mean, first, I mean, lucky to have a show, but, you know, to have a show that is just a shrug to people or of like, she doesn't know what the fuck she's doing or what happened to her. This is, it was painful. It was excruciating. And, but, you know, you got, I mean, luckily I have people who love me, you know, in in a personal way to, to hold me up and hold me together because, you know, that's important too, because you can't take all this, buffeting without you know some kind of um you know private world of people who love and support you because you'll die (laughs) so um you know so um that but i i think that like as i've gone on and you know you you know i'll sort of bring it up to the present like I, i i think all these meditations and all these you know different attempts is really brought me you know, to what I understand now, which is, you know, that, um, and, and and is that, I mean, when I look at the screens around me, you know, the screen rules our world. I mean, the screen is the strongest thing in our world, but I guess the place I'm at now is that I'm not for strength. I'm for weakness. Um, and when I say that, I mean it in that it's, it's, it's the, I mean, I'm very influ- you know—very influenced, and you might hear the echo of like the the pieces of Hito Steril when she talks about like weak image. But I think she was really, really onto something because, you know, look at all around us. Everybody's projecting strength, and the and these projections of strength are are in fact corrupt in my view, and are you know bringing us to a very bad place. And I agree. so. Yeah. go on the record here and agree yeah. with you. So I mean, I've, we
1: are the most depressed people and we have the most, pe- you know, everyone's doing great on Instagram. Yeah. But then everyone privately is falling apart, you know, just yeah. like, yeah. Not,
0: yeah. So, So my thing is, you know, I mean, I've been thinking about screens for a long time. And I've been thinking about painting and image and video and all these things. And so I guess I realized that, I, in fact, I never, I've made strong images, but I never wanted to make a strong image do you know what i mean by that i yeah, I, totally. I i want to i want it like i want to like i think of painting now as our weakest screen because it's because it because it's it's embodied it's it's it has a fragility and that so in other words and that fragility is you know the 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 the, the the engagement, the, the 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 person who, you know, the the human being who has to con- to, to to decide what to do, to, you know, uh, uh, to 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 uh, to attempt to, you know, get what's in their mind out, like, yeah. and 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 so the weakness of that position of being a single person just saying, this is what I think, and I'm gonna do it in a way that. I don't know really how, but I but I feel it. I know what I think. I know what I want, and I'm just going to try to figure out how to get it. Like to me, that's a position of weakness in the most beautiful way, and so I want to think about painting as from that position of it as the weakest place to speak from, and I don't mind putting a a you know a, a Christian you know type of, of 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 metaphor on that of like. Of like because because I think it, it takes us back from what power represents and I think right now power does not represent truth and so to me I'm gonna go for weakness to represent truth.
1: Serve sermon over. yeah, yeah. I, I think that what you're talking about too. I can't help but think it's also honesty. You know, because that painting is like an honest representation, but and now everything's so filtered and so, you know, everything's sort of like. I don't want to say a front, but yeah. a front. You know, it's all got a veneer over it of success or doing well or looking great or whatever. Or auction and prices, su- money, 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 money. Right, right. Auction. Yeah. It, yeah. And the, and the funny thing, too, is like, you know, you were talking about, oh, back in the day with videos and the, the calories were saying, like, well, we got to addition this so we could sell it, which in that sense you're like okay well they have to survive right that they're just trying to pay their bills i guess or whatever that is but now it's like so patently like we have nfts which are basically we're like no these these aren't even close to original they're just drawings on the computer or that they could be copied forever but we're just going to them and describe them as originals or that you quote unquote own this it's we're not even pretending anymore yeah yeah <laughs> you know yeah which um, is they, it's yeah. just amazing how far it's come it's and I think we're going down that road and I don't know if it's a, it's, we're going down that dark tunnel and I don't know if you can come back out of that dark tunnel. Yeah. I mean, I guess I
0: mean I, you know, I, I, I knew, you know, it's funny. I knew we were going to get to N, NFTs and crypto. I mean, I listened to some really infra, interesting information that compared uh, crypto to the gold standard. And um, I mean, it's, it was very eye opening because it was like, um, you know, um, when I don't know if I want to get into politics, but like I'm just like I I, I really would be like, hmm, I don't know if like, you know, s- uh, solutions for climate change and crypto go together. You know, I think that like an NFTs, I just I just would ask, you know, artists to be very concerned about what their priorities are, because um, I know uh, I I. I I, I mean, no one's approached me, but like, you know, could I make an NFT out of head? Probably, but I don't think I want to. Yeah,
1: you could. Uh, to be totally honest, I've, the way I feel about these things is that it's all the same. You know what I mean? Because painting is simulacrum. Like, we don't know anything about reality, really. It's all just kind of unknown. And the thing is, like, well, the cryptocurrency being, like, this fake money is not really based on anything. But so paper money is the same thing, really. Like, are there, is it really about gold bars sitting in some chest somewhere in a safe that? Well, buying, it used you know, to be. But it's, right. But, I mean, we've... But basically, you know, trade and barter was maybe the most original form of, like, exchange or something. But I, I, I just think it's all based on, you know, unknown, really. Like and maybe it's a little more accepting now the fact that there there isn't a structure. If anything, NFT or like things like that or cryptocurrency in the financial world, like it's it's more like art in the sense that like you know the people I know who are artists who have a hard time really grappling with art and more in the sense of like what worth is or what's good or bad. They're always like, well, how do you know? How do you know if that's good or that's bad? And in a way, there's a point there. It's all subjective.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I, I think the true, you know, one of the true things, uh, you know, that I could apply is like um what they say about ho- like there's a, you know, kind of a cliche, cliche joke about Hollywood. That's like no one knows anything because you could right. put sixty five million dollars in a movie with Tom Cruise. that's going to be a flop and then a tiny movie that's made for 14 million, you know, reaps, you know, 80 million. So no one knows anything. Like no one knows, and I think the art world's the same. no one knows anything like no one in in the sense of that no one knows what's value, but I think that you know you're you are correct in that like that like to but to me like it's it's more of like yeah like you you know you can you can spend you know gazillions and gazillions on you know a painting that is is just has you know zero aesthetic worth, you know in the sense of that it it you know it doesn't um uh. Uh, seek to has no ambition to anything but money like and and that is um i guess it'll get what it deserves <laughs>
1: <laughs> right i mean it's it's operating in its lane or something you know what I mean? yeah
0: yeah
1: i don't know like i i agree like you could you know you can have an artist go like poop in David Warner and sell it for a million dollars or whatever. I'm sure it'd be great. <laughs> you know, it's all like, relative. but I don't like, have
0: a problem with people put with, with an artist who puts the, puts, uh, puts it in a can. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. It's all, about, it's all relative. <laughs> Cause are you going to open, are
0: you going to open the can? <laughs> right.
1: <Yeah. laughs> well, what, what do you, uh, I mean, to really bring it into the present, what are you working on these days?
0: These days, what's an
1: what's an what's an average day for you? An
0: average day. Well, I am blessed because I get to go to my studio, um, and I um, I'm working on paintings, I'm working on garments, um, and I'm working on drawings. Um, I, I I love to make artist books. And um, I, um, yeah, the garments and making clothes has kind of. I feel like in some ways it's taken the place of the video. I mean, not really, but I mean, it. it, it, Because I think you know the work that I'm doing with garments isn't you know everything I've described about video is just strenuous, you know. But I think I was at a more strenuous point in my life as an artist where, you know, I was straining to try to make things make sense. Um, I feel like I'm straining less these days. Um okay. and I'm just like flowing more. So, you know, I've been making garments um and you know, um uh, and I'm really I'm really into painting these days. Um and I I feel like I am comfortable with that. And I'm I'm I don't i do not i can not say I'll never make, you know, a video or technologically based piece um you know, but right now I just have no desire to, I mean, I feel like, you know, um, I mean, you know, you touched on it earlier, but I kind of feel like the internet sort of did swallow a single channel video for me. Um, And I think, you know, it was fitting that the last piece I made was on Vine um, because uh, I remember if people remember the Vine application, um, you know, at a certain point, I I had so I stopped being in the videos. They got very abstract. I started doing you know a lot more with like looking at my environment and looking at you know the uh, the life around me, my kids, the the world my kids exposed me to, shopping malls and 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 you know amusement parks and you know uh, um, you know play spaces and things like that. Um, a lot more, you know, kind of pop culture y kind of places. And I started making videos about my experience in those things. Um, so I, had, I remember at one point I had tons of footage and I had no idea how to structure it. And so I got the idea that I would let the apparatus structure the work for me, um, which I guess I'd kind of done always in a, in a primitive way with, with the VHS. I mean, you know, the camera, the point and shoot um, structured the work. Um, and so, in this sense, the, the pouring all these uh, little clips and saying, "Okay, I'm gonna pour them into the six second loop," and then structured the piece so that you know the loops and the likes, and then you know I, I just kept making vines uh, until they they threw the pro the the application away, and that was the end. And then I sort of I don't think I've made a video since um, since the vines, but. Uh, um, um, which, which then, you know, exist off Vine, too, and I ended up, you know, editing them all together, and, 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 you know, making a video that could stand up on a single channel, um, but, yeah, so, so, yeah, so that, that, that's, that's it, you know, and, um, I mean, I just, I just sort of see myself, like, you know, kind of trying to, you know, I still, I still feel like striving, I still you know even though I'm more comfortable in my striving I'm still striving
1: <laughs> that's a good that's a good striving to be in i think that's a good place you know
0: yeah well you know i mean i'm going to be 60 in march so i feel like i mean you know i i i don't want to be I, I i would i don't want to be as Tortured as I once was, it yeah. would be tough.
1: Yeah, it's like, you know, we all want to retire out of that phase, right?
0: Yeah, the tortured phase. You
1: know? yeah. Yeah, the tortured phase. Yeah, we all hope that we get. Yeah, who am I kidding? I, 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 I,
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to make it seem like you know, I'm like, you know, the Zen master over here. Like, I, I still have like, you know, mo, you know, moments of like, you know, really, Cheryl, what the fuck? But, you know, I mean, it's, uh, I, 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 I can talk myself down a, a, a bit better these days.
1: Well, we have to these days with all the stuff going on in the world. I think we have to be able to to calm ourselves down a little bit and to put ourselves in a good headspace.
0: Well, that's where, like, I think family is really important, and it, maybe it's kind of circling back to you know the beginning when I was kind of saying you know my um, my tumultuous but loving family. Um, and I think it's, you know, I think family is really important and I, I feel really yeah. blessed that I have a family and, and then I took time to make a family. And, you know, I think that, you know, I mean, this whole like, um, like, li- like living for art is great, but you know, you do need people to love you. And I think it, you know, it's, it's important, you know, to, ha- I think family is really important. I think it's really important to, 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 to have friends, you know, and, and whatever kind of family, you know, you make, you gather you 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 collect you know I I, I think you know that is, is you need that sustain you, you need just something to sustain you and art can sustain um, but like a, you know but it, there's a lot yeah it's um, maybe the
1: maybe family is the structure that we look for you know the, yeah. the the constant yeah because it's it's not in much else you know what I mean everything's in flux but love them or hate them they're around
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> they're family. <laughs> you don't get to choose them, but they
0: are. you gotta work with them <laughs> Sorry, and my mom my mom has a, a my mom has a thing above the kitchen sink it's like and it just says, "Work with me, people <laughs>
1: <laughs> That sounds about right especially <laughs> during the holidays <laughs> Oh yeah
0: <laughs>
1: Well, thanks so much for taking all this time. It's really great to talk to you and you know i I find your work and your you know your history of work in like super interesting and it was really great to to spend this time talking. I thank you for it.
0: Well, thanks for inviting me and I, I like to share it because, you know, I'm not I'm not teaching right now. You know, I haven't been teaching for a long long time and and so, you know, sometimes, you know, I feel for, you know, younger artists now. You know, I think it is you know, to a degree than all the things we've talked about. I, I think it's, it's highly difficult now, highly yeah, difficult sure. b- because of the money thing, because of the fucking money thing, you know. Yeah. It's highly difficult. And so I just, I just, you know, whatever, you know, when I have a chance to talk and, you know, give, b- give back or, you know, I, I, I think it's important.
1: Well, I'll be making sure, I'm, I'm on sabbatical this year, but I'll be making sure the students listen to this one for sure.
0: <laughs> Okie dokie. <laughs> <All right. laughs> well, thanks, thanks for reaching sure. out to me, and I super appreciate.
1: Sure, thanks. It was fun.
0: Yeah, wonderful conversation. Thank you.
1: Sound and Vision is recorded, edited, and produced by myself, Brian Alfred you can help out the podcast and support it by going to iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast and leaving rating and review or sharing it with a friend. Many thanks to Michael Lovett for the introduction. Make sure you check out his music playing in Metronomy, going on tour soon actually, and his own solo project, which is Nazca Lines. Thanks as always to Golden Artist Colors for their support check out all their art supplies at your local art store you won't be disappointed also thanks to fulcrum coffee roasters check out their stuff at fulcrumcoffee.com and while you're at it you can snag one of the custom tins that i designed for their coffee thanks to cheryl for taking out the time to talk to me it was really fun and as always most of all thank you for listening